Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's face it, we're all a little stressed these days. With all the distraction on what we can't do, it's time to do a little self-care at home. CBD Healthcare Company is the source you can depend on for facial, skin care, and muscle relief. Our made-in-the-USA, world-class calming body lotions, recovery creams, and anti-aging serums combine THC-free CBD extract with natural botanicals and known ingredients. CBDHealthCareCompany.com Because taking time for yourself is always a good idea. Murder on the Space Coast fans can save 20% off your order. Use promo code PODCAST at checkout. Murder on the Space Coast is brought to you by CBD Healthcare Company, the source you can trust. And now, here's John Torres with Episode 6. Previously on Murder on the Space Coast, Left to Die. Because everybody's afraid of the authorities, they're afraid of the sheriff, the state's attorney. Uh, you, you're dealing often with a criminal element, okay? Or, or people who are very poor and have no, you know, no formal education. Uh, all they know are just they got street smarts. And they know getting involved in a case involving the Green family was not a good idea. And I think when, we, when I talk with Crosley later, uh, and this is all part of the record, I explained to him they called his sister. And when they called his sister, she was very adamant that he had confessed to her. I'm John Torres, and welcome back to Murder on the Space Coast, Left to Die. Just a warning before we get started. This episode contains adult and racially offensive language that is not suitable for children or sensitive listeners. And again, I want to make it clear that I have reached out to both Kim Halleck and Prosecutor Chris White for interviews and have received no response. Crosley Green, known as Papa to family and friends, is sentenced to die in Florida's electric chair, and in 1991 is sent to Florida State Prison where he would sit on death row, awaiting his turn. Almost nine years would pass like that. There are generally two ways things can turn out for prisoners sentenced to die or given long sentences. I've interviewed some in person and corresponded with others. You can either stay angry at the world or yourself, or you can decide to live. I remember a few years ago when I interviewed Wilton Dedge, a man who spent 22 years in prison for rape until he was exonerated by DNA. Remember, one of the prosecutors in his case was also Chris White. Anyway, Dedge told me that he had long ago let go of his anger. If I was going to stay angry, he told me, I might as well just be back in prison. Crosley Green insisted he was innocent of this murder. But he also knew that he had not been on a good life path and believed that there had to be something better. In 1993, he found it. How do you deal with your daily situation? How do you keep from going crazy? First and foremost, I get up in the morning and I pray. Okay, 
I started doing that back in 1993 when I, started, when I changed around. Because I was an angry man when I first got the death row. I was, I was angry. But in 93, it hit me. And from that, from, that, from that year to now, I just stayed with the Lord. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not angry anymore. Anytime I can wake up and pray to the good Lord above, you know, I can't be angry. You know, and my days go by easily. Because of that. Because of that. If you don't find a peace within yourself, you can never have peace. No matter what the consequences were or what you went through, you got to find that peace. You know, I mean, you can you always think about it, and it always be on your mind, and people always bring it up about listen. They took all this this time away from you, from your family, and stuff like this. But don't let that get into your mindset to. Destroy what you them built as you got yourself together and became involved with the Lord and all this. You know, you got to go on. You got to just just move forward. Stressed out? Need a little self care at home? CBD Healthcare Company's skincare products deliver soothing relief and relaxation. Treat yourself. You deserve it. The CBD and CBD Healthcare Company's world-class formulated skincare products enhances the effectiveness of your typical skincare regimen, reduce the signs of wrinkles, remove dead skin cells and impurities, bring your skin to a healthy and radiant state. Self-care. Skincare at home. Visit CBDHealthCareCompany.com. Skincare products made in the USA. Murder on the Space Coast fans can save 20% off your order. Use promo code PODCAST at checkout. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In 1993, Crosley found the Lord, and in 1996, he found something else, a pen pal. A woman living in Suntry right here on the Space Coast decided to write prisoners awaiting execution. Her name was Nan Webb, a devout Catholic. She started writing Crosley, and the two struck up a friendship. Webb and her husband even drove to the prison on a few occasions to visit with Crosley. She said she would pray for him nightly. It turns out she would do more than that. Well, I was putting on a uh, death penalty seminar at Northwestern University, and a woman by the name of Nan Webb uh, came up there from Florida and asked me to get involved. She came up there specifically to attend the conference and talk to me about Crosley. That was Chicago private eye Paul Chilino, who you heard from in previous episodes. I asked him how he decided to take up a case or a cause as this one. Oh, uh, yeah, because, I mean, you know, I get, you know, get a basket full of mail a month usually, and... So we get a lot of ask, you know. Sure. And, and and of course we get a lot of ask, but no, nobody's got any money to do anything. But uh, we, we looked at Crosley, and we thought he had merit. Uh, his case had merit. I mean, he had the usual problems: uh, no weapon, no no forensic evidence, uh, any evidence that was available was bad forensic evidence. Uh, uh, 
third party involved, um, a, a really wild and crazy story, which uh, would have been out of character for him given his criminal background. And and so, you know, after looking at it for a long time, uh, it, there was a, so much work to be done on Green. I mean, just, just had to start from the ground up. I was able to convince uh, three of my... Uh, better well-heeled colleagues who had money on their own. I mean, because you can't get involved in these cases because you're financing them out of your pocket. Right. So, uh, uh, because, I mean, literally the family's got no money. There's no benefactor. There's no, back then there were no innocence projects outside the Northwestern. And uh, they didn't finance anything at that point. So Chilino and his colleagues head down to Florida and start digging around. And they find that some of the witnesses against Crosley including his own sister, Sheila Green, had submitted signed affidavits to the court claiming that they had been threatened or coerced into testifying against Crosley. That, in itself, was a big deal. I mean, you heard how damning the testimony from Crosley's own sister was against him at trial. And now here, it turns out, Chilino discovers that she has signed an affidavit saying she was threatened or coerced into testifying against her brother. That's important, but Chilino needs to be sure. He needs to make sure Crosley Green could be a client, albeit pro bono, that he could really get behind. Chilino told me that over the years he's been able to develop a sort of a sixth sense about guys in prison that he speaks with. Crosley? Well, Chilino felt he was believable. Listen, man, I, I, I got all kinds of guilty guys calling me, okay? And it's they're pretty simple to figure out. That's why we do, you know. That's why we do a long uh, review of their case. And most of that review consists of reading transcripts, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, we've I've read thousands and thousands of transcripts at this point, and uh, and you get a feel for who might be innocent and who's definitely guilty. Right. You know. So, so you know, when you make a commitment like this. Uh, to someone like Crosley. I mean, you remember, man, we, we get on Crosley, his days are numbered. I mean, uh, they're, they're marching towards a death penalty on him. And so Chialino starts interviewing people, and what he finds is, well, it, it's really startling. Remember last episode? No one really knew at the time why Sheila Green and her boyfriend Lonnie Hillary would go against Crosley, Sheila's own brother. Well, here's Lonnie Hillary explaining to Chialino what happened after a federal jury acquitted Hillary with a not-guilty verdict on a drug case. At the time, his girlfriend and mother of his son, Sheila Green, was awaiting trial on federal drug charges as well in the same case. Now, it's a long clip, but worth it to listen. Remember, you've got Crosley Green's sister's boyfriend talking to the private eye, Chialino. And when you got home, did you receive a phone call from somebody in law enforcement? Yes, sir. What was his name? Chris White. And what was Chris's position? He was the, um, the... Attorney uh, on the case, the prosecutor. He's prosecutor on which case? The Crosby Green case. Okay. And did you have a conversation with him on the telephone at your home? Yes, sir. By the way, did you have any state charges pending at that time? No, sir. Did you have any federal charges pending? No, sir. Were you on probation? No. Parole? No. You had no legal issues at all with anyone at that time, did you? No. Okay. But Chris White calls you at your home after you're found not guilty, is that correct? Yes, sir. And you have a conversation with him? Yes, sir. And, and basically, can you tell me what the conversation consisted of? He wanted me to come down to his office to speak with me concerning the Papa Green case. Okay. And what happened then? 
Um, he sent a uh, one of his uh, investigators over, uh, Mr. Knight, to what, pick me up. What's Mr. Knight look like? Uh, tall, big, black guy. And he's a detective with the Brevard County Sheriff's Department? Yes, sir. Okay. And, it, and he came over to your house and got you, is that correct? Yes, sir. And where did he take you to? To Chris White's office. Okay. Did you think this was a social visit? No. Did you think you were going there voluntarily on your own? Yes. Okay. And did you think you had a choice about going to his office? Uh, not really. Okay. Would you have gone to his office had he not called you up and asked you to come over there? No. Have you ever indicated to a public defender or any law enforcement official that you wish to have a conversation with him? No. Okay. So you get to Mr. White's office. What happens next? Who do you meet there? Uh, Chris White. Who else is present besides you and him? That's it. What happens? And, and you're in his office? Yes, sir. It's a private office? Yes, sir. Okay. And what, what occurs in that office at that thing? Uh, he informs me that uh, he wants me to uh, testify in the Papa Green case concerning the murder um, and anything that I may know. Um, he wants me to speak with uh, Sheila on the telephone. Okay, that's Sheila Green. Right. And where's Sheila Green at? In prison. You know where? Uh, not and uh, right. But at that time, she's in prison. Yes, sir. All right. What do you tell him about this case when he says that to you? I told him I didn't know anything. And what did he say? Uh, he wanted me to talk to her. Even though you didn't know anything. Right. So, how do you get in touch with Sheila when she's in jail? And you're in the state's attorney's office. She was on the phone when okay. I walked in. She was on the phone. Yes, he had her on hold. On, on hold. On hold. Did you talk to her privately? Yes. He left the office. Yes. And what was said during the conversation, best you can remember? She told me that uh, she had already talked to him and that she had gave a statement concerning Papa's case, and that if I talked to uh, Mr. White, that he had promised uh, to help her in her sentencing to uh, get her time cut back and that uh, she was she wanted me to, to do it to testify to help her out and that um, that would uh, and then she told me what she had already talked about with him with Chris White right what did she say basically um, if you remember vaguely it was just that uh, she had uh, admitted that Papa had talked to her the night of the murder, and that uh, he had told her that he had did it, and that uh, she knew that, and, that, and that's what she had told him. Did you know that to be true or false? That was false. That conversation never took place between the two of them? No. Did Sheila tell you that? I knew she didn't because she was with me that night. And you didn't see Pop Green the night of the murder? No. So you knew that conversation could, have, could not have taken place? I knew that. And Lonnie, you were doing this for one reason, really, and that was the issue involving your son, Lonnie Jr.? Yes. Uh, he, when he came back into the office, um, he had threatened uh, that if I didn't do this, that he was going to make sure that we didn't see any of our kids anymore. That was my son, Lonnie, and her three um, kids um, also, that we wouldn't see him anymore, and that he was going to make sure that my drug case came back up, that he was going to make sure I got re-prosecuted on that. Lonnie, did you feel that like you didn't have any choice but to lie? Yes, sir. Did you feel that the repercussions of not cooperating were that you would go to jail, that your girlfriend Sheila, the mother of your son Lonnie Jr., would get a stiffer sentence, and that neither one of you would ever see your son again? Yes, sir. 
And at that point, you decided to make a false statement. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. So Lonnie Hillary says that prosecutor Chris White straight out threatened him and Sheila with taking their children away if they don't help him put Crosley away. And what makes Hillary's comments even more believable for me is that after he's interviewed by Chilino and signs an affidavit admitting he lied under oath, he is then interviewed by two FDLE agents, and Hillary tells them the same thing. Here he is talking to the FDLE. Um, that was basically it. At that time, um, Chris came back in, and he asked him was I going to help. I told him I didn't know. And he told me that if I didn't, that they can take the kids, put them in foster care, and... Sheila hadn't been sentenced yet. And he told me that they could give her 20 to life on her charges if I didn't. But then as he's beginning, perhaps, to sense maybe the FDLE agents don't believe him, he basically pleads with them and says something to the effect of having no incentive to lie about this. And when skeptical agents ask if he is willing to take a polygraph test... Hillary doesn't hesitate. How do you mean, Alan, sir? Um, this is not about my kids anymore. This isn't about my kids' mother, the woman that I, I, I love. At that time, I love her. Um, this is... This is about me. This is about my conscience. Um... When I walk out this door, for me it's over. For me it's done with. I don't have to think about it anymore. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I can tell I want the truth. Um, for me, Basically, I said it's done with. Again, not to insult your intelligence or insult you personally or your integrity. If if our supervisors, everybody's got somebody they answer to. Now we have to go back and communicate with them exactly about our conversation with you. And the first thing they're going to ask us is, "Well, do you believe?" And I'm going to give them my opinion, and they say, "Well, what are you basing that on?" And I have to give them my opinion. But the, the other what I'm trying to get to here is if our supervisors ask us to ask you to take a polygraph, would you? Yeah. Okay. It would be concerning what you told us right here today. Hmm. You understand what a polygraph is? Yeah, I do. Have you ever taken one before? No. I mean this this is my thing. And I'm being honest with you guys. Whatever else needs to be done, I want it to be done. I'm tired of this dragging on. I'm tired. And I'm not trying to be. I'm, I am very sympathetic to, to Papa. And the fact that I know he's the one I'm there for and I'm not. But I am tired of my life being disturbed by this. I'm tired. This is the way I see it. I'm tired of this family having some kind of affect on my family now. Whatever needs to be done to be done with this, 
I want it to be done as soon as possible. I'm tired of this drinking, Lord. I'm tired of having to worry about it coming up some other time later on down the road. Which is why I'm... You want to move on? Right. Um, have closure. Call it what you want. It's time to move on. That's you know, I mean, the thing is... You know, I, I mean, I'm, and I'll be honest with that. I mean, the whole time since I talked to you guys, I was debating whether to talk about me lying or not, you know? Because I know somebody can get a bird and come after me because of it. But it would be over. And that's what I want. I want it to be over. Whatever's got to be done to me or whatever, I just want it to be done. I'm tired of dealing with this crap. I'm tired of having to wonder if it's going to come, when it's going to come back, or if it's going to come back. I'm tired. I'm tired. It wasn't just Lonnie Hillary who recanted. It was Crosley's sister, Sheila Green, and another man by the name of Alan Jerome Murray who had been friends with Crosley Green. Listen to this short clip of Murray talking with Paul Cilino. Like the others, Murray says that he was threatened with being sent to prison. In his case, he says, there was a violation of parole issue that was being held over his head. Did you have any knowledge of Papa Green killing or being, uh, being involved in any kind of homicide? Never. Never, right? Never. Not in 1999? No. And not prior to 1989? No. Okay. And when you got to the courthouse, did you testify against Crosley Green? Yes, I did. And did you tell a jury and a judge in a courtroom full of paper that Crosley Green had approached you on a street corner in front of 30 other people and told you that he had killed an individual? Yes, I did. And you testified to that, is that correct? Yes, I did. And was that statement true? That was, no, that was zero. It was, it was never true? It was a lie. And you lied because of what? Scaredness. Because you were threatened or you felt they were going to be put in prison if you didn't cooperate? I scared, put in prison, maybe killed. You thought you might be killed? By who? Law enforcement. During the videotaped statement, you literally see the shame and resentment on Murray as he drops his shoulders and his eyes away from the camera. Let's face it. We're all a little stressed these days. With all the distraction on what we can't do, it's time to do a little self-care at home. CBD Healthcare Company is the source you can depend on for facial, skin care, and muscle relief. Our made-in-the-USA, world-class calming body lotions, recovery creams, and anti-aging serums combine THC-free CBD extract with natural botanicals and known ingredients. CBDHealthCareCompany.com Because taking time for yourself is always a good idea. Murder on the Space Coast fans can save 20% off your order. Use promo code PODCAST at checkout. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Now, in just about every one of these cases, Chris White or law enforcement officers convince the unwitting participants that their testimony isn't really needed because they have so much evidence against Crosley, including fingerprints, blood, Crosley's bloody clothes, etc. But these potential witnesses are told they should testify as a sort of insurance policy. They even used that tactic on Timmy Curtis, who sold Chip Flynn the truck, and who testified that the sketch looked like Crosley, and that one of Crosley's family members intimated that Crosley was guilty. The problem was, none of that was true. Here's Curtis talking with FDLE agents in 1999. I can't really remember who said it, but I, I remember somebody saying, like, uh, your statement's not of, it, of that importance to us because we have uh, hair samples, fingerprints, and now I don't remember who said that to me, but that was an officer that definitely said that. I mean, that was in the room, and I remember, like, because I remember roughly saying, well, hell, if I'm not important, what am I doing here? You know? In other words, they said that they had they had this guy nailed. They're going, they got him nailed. They're just putting it all together. And... I know the audio is not great there, so if you had a hard time catching that, Curtis remembers being told that the police had hair samples and fingerprints and that what he had to say wasn't very important. So why did he play ball? Why did he lie for the state? Why did he say the sketch looked like Crosley? Simple. He was angry that his friend was dead, and he was told by the cops that Crosley was the killer. Let's hold it up in front of your face here for a second, Sam. A little bit higher and over this way. Okay, great. All right, now you can put it down. Looking at that photograph, or Sketch's rendition of, of a man, of a, of a black man, an obvious uh, African-American, does that individual look anything like Crosley Papa Green? No, it doesn't. Tim, have you ever made a statement to any individual, black or white, law enforcement or not law enforcement, that that photograph looked like Crosley Green? Yes, I did. Okay, and what were the circumstances of that statement? I just, I said that it looked like Papa Green, and... Did you mean that, or were you trying to please somebody, or tell them what you thought they wanted to hear? I think I was angry at the time, and just looking for the person who killed... You were angry because of what happened to him. Exactly. And, and what happened is, Charles Hill Jr. was a friend and acquaintance of yours. Yeah. And he had just been become a homicide victim. That's right. And to your knowledge, Crosby Green was the primary suspect in that case? Yes, sir. And you had information and belief that Crosley Green was the person who had committed that crime? Yes, sir. And is it for that reason that you said that sketch looks like Crosley Green? Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you another sketch with a picture of Crosley Green. It's an intelligence bulletin. Hold it up for me. Would you please, Tim? Okay. Now, who's the individual in that intelligence bulletin? That's Papa Crosley Papa Green. And placing that next to the other uh, sketch you have in your lap, do them two individuals look anything alike? No, sir, they don't. And so for nearly 10 years, Curtis believed the cops had the right guy. That is, until he learned about the lack of physical evidence. Remember, the cops and the prosecutor don't have any of this rock-solid evidence that they claim to have. And then Curtis learned about the gut feeling shared by first responders Mark Rixey and Diane Clark that Kim Halleck was responsible. And that's when he took a closer look at exactly what Kim Halleck said happened that night. And remember, Curtis owned that truck before selling it to Chip. 
Here he is talking to FDLE agents, and again, be warned, some of the language he uses is offensive. If I was an investigator on this case, and I was a detective handling this case right now, I would leave out of this room, I'd go to Kim Howard's house, and I'd place her under arrest for the murder of Chip West. Bottom line, no if, no ands, no buts, no bullshit, I would arrest her today. Yesterday, a month ago, eight weeks ago, I would arrest her. Because her story's got too many holes in it, I used to own that goddamn truck, there is no way that what she says happened could happen in the way she says it happens. And the reason why I know that, that was my truck and it is impossible. It couldn't be done. Remember, he's referring to how hard the truck was to operate and the fact that you could not get into the truck without grabbing a pull bar and hoisting yourself up into it. Why well, when I ask Chip, Chip, who shot you? I know Chip personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chip, who shot you? Take me home. I had a friend of mine, Steve Dumont, was killed at the Texas Kill 995 on Garden Street, was shot with a shotgun. It blowed half of his elbow off of his body. He was still alive when the cops got there. When the cops got there and asked him who shot you, he told him two black guys and a white guy driving a light blue colored four-door or whatever it was. He told him. But when the cops got there and asked Chip, Chip, who shot you? Repeatedly. Take me home. And you know the sad thing about that is? That was put in this cop's report. He wrote that in his, in his, in his report. And that never came out in court. Never. Not one time. I promise you, if a black guy shot Chip, He'd been using the word nigger, 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 nigger. Who was he protecting? Sounds to me like he's protecting somebody. It's impossible for this to have happened the way she said it happened. And there it is. Remember, even Kim tells the cops that Chip's father was a racist and that Chip himself, quote, didn't like black guys. And so if this happened the way that Kim described... Chip's friend says the N-word would have been flying all over the place once the cops arrived. I have reached out to Chris White for an interview, and I did again just last week. I was told that he is aware of the podcast and that my message will be relayed to him. In any event, when the recantations were brought to his attention, and he was questioned by the FDLE agents about them, he denied any wrongdoing. In an FDLE report dated July 25th, 2000, It says that White gave agents a sworn statement about the allegations. It says in part that White, quote, adamantly denied that he ever threatened Lonnie Hillary concerning recharging him with state drug charges or with taking his children away. White advised that by the time he first met Hillary, he was a cooperative witness. White stated that the topic of the children came up from both Hillary and Sheila because Sheila kept expressing that she did not want to go to prison and lose her children. Sheila Green raised the concerns over her children, not the prosecutors. Close quote. Now, White did acknowledge allowing Sheila Green to call his office from jail in order to talk with Lonnie, and he could not remember whether he stayed in the office or not. With all that being said, I want to end this episode with this from Timothy Curtis. Remember Curtis, once a witness for the prosecution, drops one more bomb on the state's case. Okay, I'm going to tell, tell you something that I've never told nobody. It's never been brought up. And it's what's really troubled me the most about this case. And everybody gets close to the table probably does trouble me. 
I have an uncle that's deceased now that passed away. He had a heart attack. His name was Billy Redmond. He had a Chevelle one time years ago. He was in somewhere up in the men's area, and his car was stolen. He had called us at the body shop, and we ran up there to pick him up, and he said that, um, you know, in the area that it was, we said that it had to be black, semi-black, that just stole his car. Um, we drove through men's real quick looking, and I'll be damned if we didn't find his automobile. And Crosley Green was the guy that was in the car that was, stole the car. The car was a four-speed, and the reason why he couldn't go no father, he couldn't drive it. How far from where it was stolen to where you found it? A hundred yards, maybe. I mean, I don't exactly remember, but I remember the incident. He was trying to take off in third gear. Did you catch that? According to Curtis, Crosley Green does not know how to drive a standard or stick shift car. So how on earth could he have driven Chip Flynn's hard-to-maneuver truck all the while holding a gun on his victims? Next time on Murder on the Space Coast, Left to Die, a D.C. law firm takes the case of Crosley Green to save him from the electric chair. So our immediate goal, our charge, was to do what we could to get Crosley off uh, Florida's death row. He had been on death row for some, I know it was over 15 years when we got the case. It may have been 19 years, I'm not sure, but he had been on death row for well over a decade. Um, and so our, our initial charge was um, to investigate the case, see if he had viable defenses, and um, see if um, we could um, you know, save him from being on death row. On first glance, if you looked at the Crosley Green case, it looked like there were three or four witnesses who had testified against him, and then you had this young woman who identified him as the shooter. But then when you really start delving into the case and you realize all the inconsistencies in her story, um, and then you find out that all the witnesses who had testified at trial have now recanted and why they recanted, it's, it's the fact that the case was nothing like what the jury thought back in 1990. That's what interested me in this case and horrified me at the same time. I'm news columnist John A. Torres, and you can follow me on Twitter at John Albert Torres. That's at J-O-H-N-A-L-B-E-R-T-O-R-R-E-S. And for more information on this case and web exclusives, please go to floridatoday.com. Murder on the Space Coast is written and narrated by me, John A. Torres. The producer is Rob Landers, and the editor is Mara Bellaby. Thanks for listening to Murder on the Space Coast, brought to you by Florida Today, a part of the USA Today Network. Stressed out? Need a little self-care at home? CBD Healthcare Company's skincare products deliver soothing relief and relaxation. Treat yourself. You deserve it. The CBD and CBD Healthcare Company's world-class formulated skincare products enhances the effectiveness of your typical skincare regimen. Reduce the signs of wrinkles. Remove dead skin cells and impurities. Bring your skin to a healthy and radiant state. Self-care. Skin care at home. 
Visit CBDHealthCareCompany.com. Skincare products made in the USA. Murder on the Space Coast fans can save 20% off your order. Use promo code PODCAST at checkout. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.